want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go. Oh, 
Episode 82. Indeed. Another great episode. <laughs> Another great <laughs> in, in guest. In humble opinion. <laughs> yeah, definitely a great guest. We kicked off the episode with a couple of Buffalo bands. Yep. First was Hell Cannon with the song Condemned. And then after that was Cemetery Echo with Youth Disease. Fantastic stuff. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I got a question. Um, Eddie Van Halen died recently. He did. Everyone in the world, I think, knows this. What? And we talked about, like, when I was traveling and I missed 
while well, we missed Van Halen. Yeah. When they came like uh, four years ago, uh-huh. five years ago. Um, I saw online there was a rumor kind of circulating about a possible, already, a possible Van Halen. Um, yeah. So a, a new Van Halen. This would be Sammy Hagar singing. Uh, Michael Anthony playing bass, which is cool, right? Yeah. Um, Alex on drums, of course. Uh-huh. And you're not going to believe this. Who do you think is going to play guitar? Is it somebody like off the wall? Um, Not really. It's someone that, I don't know. I wouldn't, and I heard him play. He's really good. He could do it. And like, I feel like if anyone could pull this off and not offend the world, it would be him. Who? Wolfgang, his son. I don't hate that, actually. Yeah. I don't hate it. I wanted to hate it, but I didn't. Yeah, I don't hate it. And it kind of reminds me of like a... I thought you were going to say Ingve or something. No, that would be terrible. Because <laughs> they had a rivalry. That would be so insulting. Right. Um, like uh, Dweezil Zappa does like tours and does Frank Zappa stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. Yeah. Like you're right. That is the only person that could like really pull it off. Yeah. And I feel like he's carrying on his dad's legacy. Yeah. I feel like he would like that. Yeah. But I hear that this rumor was squashed and not, not a fact. Not oh. on the table. I so don't this know. is just like a what if it happened, not I it is happening. I I don't know. It was a rumor. I don't know where where it started, but I don't know. Well, if it does happen, I wouldn't hate it. I could see it happening eventually, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I don't, even though they said no, I feel like that is not out of the question. I mean, if it's a rumor... Yeah. Right? There's a little bit of truth in everything that's said, so. Yeah. We'll see. Yep. All right. All right. Are we carrying on? We're carrying on. What do you got over there? So, who is our guest today? None other than the mastermind behind some of the UK's most intriguing underground acts, such as Locke Howell, Lord Rot, and the Mighty Hell Ripper. So sit, stand, lie down or do whatever you're doing and grab yourself a chalice of beast milk and listen into our conversation with Scotland's sonic alchemist, James McBain. But first, we're going to hear the title track off of Hellripper's 2019 EP, Black Arts and Alchemy.
James. Hi. Hi, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? Very good. So thanks for uh, chatting with us tonight. No problem. Appreciate thank it. You for, thank you for asking me. Yeah, absolutely. We're big fans of pretty much everything you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's really cool to hear. Thank you. Really appreciate that. So if we could start off with, we were we were kind of introduced to you as the man behind Hell Ripper, but mm-hmm. I think your journey started before that. Can you kind of talk about the early days of like what got you into uh, underground metal and playing guitar and singing and uh, kind of what led up to Hell Ripper? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've always been into music, um, like when I was like five or six or something, I got into like, you know, music that was around at the time, like pop and rock and whatever, whatever was around at the time. Mm-hmm. I've just always like, I've always liked music, but, um, my uncle, um, uh, my mom's brother, he had a, like a large vinyl collection that was kept at my grand, my grandma's house. Mm-hmm. And when I would go over, I used to check those out. So I, I'm not sure how old I was, but really young, but I would go and like explore these, like his record collection. It was like kind of fascinating and it was my, like my uncle. So I kind of like, like I looked up to, right. like I looked up to him. I thought it was quite cool. And there was like albums there. And he had like a bunch of like obscure punk stuff. And loads of 80s metal stuff. There was like Discharge, Motorhead, Dio, Black nice. Sabbath, nice. Um, Judas Priest and all that kind of thing. So I was like exposed to metal when I was like young. I never got into it. Um, it was, like I never became like a, a massive fan at that point. But like it was in my mind, if you know what I mean. Right. And when, as I got older, I was, I was like really into um, classic rock, hard rock, um any sort of guitar music really and my uncle also played the guitar as well so it was like yeah it was like that was that was also like in my mind like it was like an interest of mine that so i started playing guitar when i was around i'm not sure it must have been 11 12 maybe before that i'm not too sure Mm -hmm. and i wasn't very good but when i was around 14 or 15 i discovered Metallica and Megadeth and that is when like my I I really started to like metal and that, that kind of like started my my real journey into metal and it got me um more interested in playing the guitar and I remember the first like song I one of the first metal songs I like tried to learn was For Whom the Bell Tolls and it was like really difficult for me like I never played anything at the time uh-huh and of course, it's like a slow song. It's it's easy enough to play, but like I really struggled with it, and uh, I spent ages trying to learn that. And uh, yeah, from there, like Metallica and Megadeth, um, I really um, got into like thrash metal and like your traditional heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And that was around the time it was like two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, maybe uh, around that time. And of course, there was the 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 thrash revival was kind of happening around that time and there was there was a sort of like revival of the traditional heavy metal yeah so i would i would would listen to like metallica and megadeth on youtube and i would uh, go on the like related videos and thrash metal videos playlists and things and so i discovered bands like warbringer and evil havoc 
Enforcer, Steelwing, uh, Skullfist, like all sorts of new and of course old bands like Creator and mm-hmm. Slayer, Sodom and all that. Yeah. So yeah, and then just from there I I got really into like finding new bands and eventually I got into death metal and just heavier music and things. So it was yeah, it was basically due to the internet, like the ease of the ease of finding new music through the internet, just exploring for hours and hours each night and finding a million new bands every every night. Yeah. So it was really cool. So did you do you think that your uncle kind of intrigued you um in into the music and to the guitar and all that and then you kinda of took it on your own and, and dug deeper on your own? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It was a uh, my uncle had passed away before I was I was born actually, so it was kind of like a uh, yeah, it was kind of intriguing yeah. in that sense because I never knew him, but it was like like interesting. Like the, my um, my grandma had his like guitar at her house and stuff. It was a black uh, Les Paul copy, and it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. And of course, there was all these vinyls and stuff. So yeah, I think that was probably like a factor, like a sort of, I guess, like sub uh, subconscious factor, possibly. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't my main motivation, but I guess it that it probably sparked my interest and played a big part in getting me, like sparking my interest in the the music. Right. Yeah. And the guitar. It makes sense. I don't mean to get nerdy here, but like <laughs> that is the power of music. Yeah. I mean, you somebody inspired you that you've never even met in yeah a, in a way yeah i know yeah it's yeah it's really cool yeah it was just uh it was just uh just really when i like looked at the the record collection i mean i was inspired to do that because of like of my uncle and i thought it must be cool and stuff and then from there like the album art and stuff like um there was judas priest stuff like the big um British, British steel, like the big uh, razor, yeah, like that. Like it's, it, it draws you in that kind of stuff. And um, Ozzy Osbourne, um, a couple of albums, of course, have got like really campy, like eighties um, covers that are like really appealing, quite horror, like quite scary. Right. If you're <laughs> kind of a, a kid, yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember which ones it was. I think it was a couple of like live albums. Um, and there was the yeah the Black Sabbath album with Dio the the live album I can't I think it's called Live Evil oh yeah 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 so that was there and like yeah just the album art like kind of like it draws you in as well from there like yeah it's really cool to see when you're a kid like you don't it's not something you see yeah. every day right right I know I've a lot of people have said the same thing and and I know that happened to me like seeing a lot of these album covers as a kid it, it scared me but that's yeah. what kind of drew me into the whole it it, it, it drew me in to yeah. you know looking oh, deeper yeah, yeah. yeah especially when you're a kid and you're seeing or a teenager and you're seeing like cannibal corpse and right. and shit like that it's just so yeah it, it draws you in because i mean you've got the it's just like some of it's like really just crazy and out there and stuff like cannibal corpse and right the cool stuff like i mean the cannibal corpse stuff is cool but i mean you've got like power slave is one of my favorites uh iron maiden power slave oh yeah but just the album cover to that that's like one of the albums that like drew me in from like 
drew me in from the cover art. It's, I think it's probably one of my favorite. Yeah. Covers of all time. It's just so much detail and yeah. different from everything else. That's cool. They, they kind of had that Egypt concept long before Nile was thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so was Rats a Reality your first kind of uh, band that you like recorded with? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it was enough. I mean, a couple of uh, bands like in school, but I mean, we never really done anything. It was kind of like we, we would meet up and kind of play a couple of cover songs and we yeah that they, yeah they didn't like lead anywhere or whatever but yeah rats of reality yeah that was uh, formed i think um when was that 2014 i think maybe 13 i can't remember so it was just after i came out of school and me me and uh, peter decided to uh, we we wanted to we wanted to like really record something but we didn't have like other members and it was just us two so we decided just to like do it all by ourselves, like record, like rent a practice space and just record things by ourselves, like see how that turned out. And the first EP is a bit messy. It's like we didn't really have a direction. We were just kind of like really excited to like record something and release it. So the sound is like everywhere. Like there's like stuff influenced by all sorts of stuff, like. Uh, Black Flag, Dark Throne, Toxic Holocaust. Like, it was just all, all out. Yeah, you are experimenting? Yeah, it was just... That was the first kind of songs that I wrote. Um, and like, I didn't have, like, anything in mind for it. So it was just like, yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing. And then we brought um, our friend, uh, Clarky in to play bass. And we turned into a three-piece... And that from there we kind of like settled on a like a metal punk direction, kind of going from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we played a few shows throughout the UK and things, but yeah, that stopped a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I could listening to like the first the first recording and then the one that came out at the 2015. Um, it it sounded it backs up what you just said. It yeah. sound it kind of sounded like, like I liked the first one, but it sounded like you were kind of looking for what you were gonna do, and then yeah. the next one I, I listened to that and it sounds like, it doesn't sound like Hell Ripper, but I can tell it's you and I can it's your style, yeah. it's your voice, and it sounds like you kind of found yourself in that time. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, the first one, I mean, we rec- we didn't know how to record or anything, so we just rented the practice space, and I think we used like two microphones for the drums like we put like one on the bass drum or something and like mm-hmm. one overhead because that's all that could fit into the our the recording interface we were using so like the quality was never going to be good um i think i recorded the guitars at home and i yeah i recorded vocals at home and i had never performed vocals before so like actually no we rented the practice space again and i done some vocals at the practice space and i never done vocals before mm-hmm. So yeah, like like you say, it's I hadn't found my voice. I was just like kind of screaming. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I was like I was the only option. Like we didn't have another vocalist or anything. So I thought I've got to try something. But yeah, by the time by the by the next year, we had played a few shows. Um, I had written a lot more songs, so I was 
yeah, I was improving my my songwriting abilities, I think, and yeah, the overall recording was better. Uh, we kind of learned what we were doing. Just, it was just like a learning process, and if you go through those EPs, you can. We're just learning through each one. I think each one like improves. Yeah. Slightly. Um. Yeah. So was there was there like a guitar vocalist early on that you kind of saw that you were like, I want to do that? Um, or was I guess it? James Hetfield. Yeah. I mean, the guitar vocalist. Um, yeah, James Hetfield. Uh, yeah, Dave Mustaine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was, I've, just anything really. I, I'm not sure if it's, yeah, I'm not sure if it's particular, like, the guitar and vocals at the same time. Like, I mean, I love Corpse Grinders, one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, all of that. But of course, yeah, Metallica and Megadeth were the ones that got me into it. So you've got Hetfield and Dave Mustaine and Jeff Walters. I mean, he doesn't, he's, he does vocals sometimes. Right. Um, um, yeah, I'm just, a, yeah, it was, it was more out of necessity really than like what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a, I wanted to, to play guitar. Just guitar. But I, yeah, I was kind of forced into being the vocalist, being a vocalist. So, well, yeah, I, I can say that I am happy. Yeah, we're thankful for that. And <laughs> many other people are happy that you were forced into that because. Yeah, me too. I enjoy it now. Um, yeah, I enjoy it now. Although, when you're playing live, it's like sometimes I think it would be fun to be able to have a bit of like freedom, like not having to do something at all times right yeah like if i was just playing guitar i could concentrate on that and move around and stuff and right but yeah i enjoy, I enjoy both so yeah i'm glad it happened and now i seem to have i feel like i've i've developed like a technique so that i can yeah do vocals without hurting myself and and, and yeah it, and it's like a voice that i'm i'm happy with how it sounds and things so yeah, I'm glad it happened as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when we when we look at what you've done, at least online, and I know there's a lot of errors online, um, but it, it kind of looks like you kind of came onto the scene at the same time with a bunch of different bands, a bunch of different projects, all within a couple of years of each other. Yeah, and, and all of it is really impressive. And Thank you. we were wondering how was that intentional to to do it that way, and how did you keep all that straight? Like going, like especially like the the Lock Howell stuff is very different from the Lord Rot and the Hell Ripper stuff. Yeah, um, I mean it was uh, it was kind of intentional. Um, it was just around that time, uh, 2014-15, I was. I started to learn, I dedicated like myself to learning how to record and mix things at home. Mm. So like I was determined to learn how that worked and I was determined to, to see what I could do. So while I was, I had never like released anything before. So like all my kind of different influences came at the same time, I guess. Like I was really inspired to write some post-punk goth stuff mm-hmm. really inspired to write some death metal stuff and of course uh hell ripper stuff like they all kind of came at the same time just because i was getting 
like excited like being creative and learning how to record and things so yeah it was just like a creative time for me i guess like yeah just things kept coming to me and i was really i really pushed myself to try and learn how to do things and yeah and once i released the first hell ripper ep and it got quite a like a, a positive reception i i guess it kind of boosted my confidence and i could and I went on to work on the Lock Howl and the Lord Rot stuff like straight away, as well as other Hell Ripper stuff. Uh, yeah, most of 2015. Yeah, most of my time was just uh, in my room recording and and mixing things. But yeah, it was just it was a way of practicing mixing and learning how to do it, as well as yeah, my creative side just came out mm-hmm. all of that all of that one time, I guess. It's really impressive how much material you put out and it's not it's not fluff or filler material or slapped together. Okay. It's it's all so good. But no, thank you. it's all very consistent and I don't it's impressive. He's not a fan at all. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> no, I I'm envious. I'm very impressed. So how did you end up working with Reaper Metal Productions? Um, Reaper, um, I believe uh, Thomas um, from Redefining Darkness, if you're familiar with the label. Um, we, are. we are. Yeah, great label. Um, Thomas um, messaged me after the first Lock Howl album came out um, because he's a fan of that kind of music as well. And I got in contact with Thomas from there and we stayed in contact and became friends. And just when I was um, like recording some Hellripper stuff, he told me that he was helping out Reaper with starting a new label, mm-hmm. and asked if I'd be part uh, if I wanted to be part of it with Hellripper. And yeah, I've been a fan of uh, um, the Hellcast and um, loads of bands on Hell's Headbangers and stuff. I mean, Midnight and stuff like that. Yeah, of course Hell's Headbangers. So yeah, I was, yeah, I just accepted that and yeah, became friends with Reaper and we still speak occasionally and yeah, and it was just a, yeah, it was a great, I think the, it was one of their first releases, the EP and it, yeah, it turned out great. Reaper done a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, both the guys know what they're doing. I mean, Thomas knows what he's doing with Redefining Darkness. I think, yeah, yeah both do, yeah, both of them do a great job with what they do. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I was happy. Like the the EP came out great. Like the the LP, like with the etching on the back, that was Reaper's idea, and that turned out that looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. So yeah, it was just a cool thing to be part of, and yeah, really really nice guys. And so, do you think that the exposure you got from being on Reaper Productions is what led to you signing with Peaceful Records? Um. Possibly, um, the Peaceful, um, Peaceful got in contact with me just as the EP came out. Mm. So they were turned on to me by uh, a fr- the head of the label of Peaceful, mm. okay. or of his friends. I'd been in contact with him okay. for a while. I didn't know it was his friend, but uh, he turned uh, Peaceful onto the band, and. Yeah, Peaceful got in contact with me while we were on tour promoting the EP. So I think it was uh, five days after the EP came out or something. Oh, nice. It was 
it was while we were in the we were stuck in a traffic jam on the way to support midnight in london huh. and, I che- and i checked my emails and i had an email from peaceville so that was quite cool nice <laughs> um, cool. so yeah but i mean everything definitely reaper um melt productions definitely helped like get the exposure to the band um whether it was the the reason for peaceville or not many people have heard of the band through reaper metal productions so they definitely helped a lot mm-hmm. um in in that respect makes sense let's take a short break and check out a fantastic song off of lock howell's 2017 release pareidolia we're going to hear echoes from the chemical void We kind of mentioned Lock Howell, so I want to take a step back. I know we're kind of jumping everywhere, but we have so many questions for you. (laughs) That's fine. Ask away. I'm not doing anything tonight. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so is Lockhall still active? Yeah, it's still active. It's just um, both a mixture of I haven't had the time and um, I've been busy with Hellripper stuff, like focusing on that um, recently. Um, and just the, the ideas I don't think have been good enough uh, that have came to me. Over the years, I've became like very picky with my ideas. I think with the first like 2015, like when I released all of those things, like the I don't know how many releases it was like five or six releases for myself in 2015. Yeah, they were all kind of um, like spur of the moment. I recorded them and put them out. Whereas now I'm I'm a nightmare. Like I delete. <laughs> I I. I record like a million songs, write a million songs and delete them all. So, yeah. So Lockhowl is definitely still active. Um, the plan was to put out another full length at some point, but I think I'm probably going to stick to an EP. I have three songs almost finished um, that I'm really happy with, but I've got no idea when I'm going to release them or or what's going to happen. I, I get distracted too easily. Like, I... I get like Hellripper's just like I'm feeling really creative with Hellripper at the moment. So anytime I go to write something, like it, it turns into Hellripper, like a speed metal kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, just the ideas haven't been coming to me, and I don't want to put out anything that I'm not happy with just for the sake of it. So when the inspiration's there, and when I'm happy with uh, what I've got, then something will come. It'll come at some point. I'm not. I'm just not sure when. Yeah. I've I've been working on a couple of other projects as well. Um, the next one that I'll probably release is like a probably a four track EP, like kind of crossed punk crossover kind of thing, just for fun. Oh, nice. Um, that's sounding quite cool. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, Lockhall is still active. Cool. Very cool. And who's <laughs> who's George? George, um, George McBain. Oh, that's my dad. Oh, <laughs> oh, nice. So yeah. he, he's he's uh, been on some of your recordings, huh? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think he was on the Lockhall album. He played uh, tambourine or something. Mm-hmm. And on um, the first Hellripper album, my dad and my mom do some backing vocals like gang vocals oh that's great that's awesome uh, yeah they were i recorded it in my bedroom so <laughs> they nice. were they were at home and yeah my dad came up to see what i was doing and i got them in, in, <laughs> involved that's great that's awesome <laughs> are, are yeah. they are they fans of what you do um they are but i think it's more because they have to <laughs> um I mean, my dad. My dad likes like rock, yeah. like rock, not not this kind. I mean, he likes ACDC and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. My mom, she tolerates it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're not massive fans of black metal or speed metal. But <laughs> okay, yeah. my mom likes Metallica and stuff like that, and so it's yeah. I got you. So um, <coughs> we wanted to ask you about. The and if I'm pronouncing this wrong, which I often do, the Demdike song appears on the Worldwide Organization of Metalheads Against yeah. Nazis too. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that whole thing come together? 
And that's, um, that's very cool, by the way. Yeah, I'm not sure how the whole thing came together. Um, I was asked by the guy that put it together if I wanted to contribute a song that was like against Nazis, and I was like, "Yeah, fine." I'm Hellripper is not a political band, but I'm not. I'm against any form of like Nazi Nazism, fascism, and all that kind of shit. Right. So, yeah, I just said yeah, and I've. That was like really the only involvement I had. I've got no idea what happened after that. Uh, I just said, yeah, I'd like to help out. The money that was raised was going to a good cause as well. So mm. that was that was like a good thing. So since you mentioned it, you, um, I think about once a year, you um, donate to charity, right? From profits yeah. off of your band camp. So how did... Like, why is that important to you? How did that come about? Um, it just came about because I, I feel very fortunate to be in a position that I can help other people with my music. Um, I get to, yeah, I, I, it just makes me feel good to, that I can help other people by play by uh, selling my music or merch or whatever. And I've donated to a bunch of different charities over the past couple of years, but usually every Christmas or so, December, I uh, I donate to Bernardo's, which is like a charity for uh, vulnerable children and stuff, because, yeah, I mean, it's unfair that any child has to have a, a, a hard life. So, yeah, it's just... Um, it's just kind of common sense for me really that's amazing um, yeah i just feel yeah i feel lucky to be in a position that i can do that with my music like so i i do <laughs> that's, that's awesome. incredible yeah i know we're supposed to be talking about metal but i'm tearing up over <laughs> here <know>. james <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> thank you the world needs more of you yes <laughs> so um as far as Lock Howell, what what kind of influenced you to uh, write and record that kind of music? Um, yeah, it's just I'm a big fan of a, 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 like kind of post-punk, goth, um, even kind of like more pop music, I guess. So yeah, Lock Howell's like really influenced. A couple of my favorite bands of all time are Beast Milk. Um, right. You know, who went on to become Grave Pleasures as well. Mm-hmm. Both both a couple of my favorites. Um, Typo Negative, another favorite of mine. Mm. Nice. Um, editors, uh, a more kind of pop band from the UK, one of my favorites as well. So it's, it's just uh, a couple of my favorite. A co- uh, it's like my favorite, one of my favorite styles of music as well, alongside metal. And it, and it helps because it's something that I, you, uh, I can't really include in Hellripper. Yeah. So it kind of helps. I'm not trying to force that influence into Hellripper. It's like such a completely different thing that it doesn't fit with Hellripper or Lord Rot or anything. Right. So it's it's good to be able to like just um, do a project that's like completely dedicated to that style. Uh, without yeah, trying to shoehorn it into Hellripper just because I want like 
just because I want to like bring something different or something. Right. So it's yeah, yeah. It's just I I like the style of music. Uh, always have. Yeah, it's just as, as simple as that. Really, that's most of my most of the things I do is just because I I like to do it. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Or do you know if uh, I know we we love it, but do you, like the Hell Ripper fans in general like the Lockhouse stuff, or are they even aware of it? Um, I'm not too sure. Um, a few people have said they like it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I bet I probably most aren't aware of it, um, mm -hmm. and probably a lot of people hate it as well. But uh, well, then they have bad taste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of what I would hear, most people don't tell me that they would hate something. So yeah. most of the most of the feedback I hear is positive. So I yeah. know I know that um, I learned about Hell Ripper, you know, in like 2017, I think, and then <laughs> and I loved it right away. And then I kind of stumbled across Lock Hall. I, I forgot how. I think just looking around on Bandcamp. And um and I love that too. And it wasn't until I don't know, it was probably like a year later that I, I realized that it was you. I didn't even <laughs> know it was the same person. And I was like, Holy fuck, this guy's awesome <laughs> at this and awesome at that. Like it, it's impressive. No, thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't really. I didn't try. I didn't really promote it. I think as like a Hell Ripper side project or whatever. I tried to kind of promote them separately. Right. Um. I think the Lock the Lockhall album actually came out before the first Hell Ripper album. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So there was the first Lockhall, right? Um. Yeah, the album. Uh, there's been one EP and one oh, album. Right. Okay. Uh, the EP came out after the first Hellripper EP. Got you. But the album came out, I think, two months before the first Hellripper album, mm -hmm. uh, Coagulating Darkness. So it was like, yeah, they were like two separate things. Like they weren't, they weren't like a, yeah, they were kind of promoted as like two separate things. Um, yeah, and it's it, uh, difficult because of Lockhowl. It's kind of, it's got like a, a metal influence as well, but yeah. it's it was difficult to promote that one, I think, because it was too metal to be considered like, like goth and post-punk, but it was too mm -hmm. not metal to be promoted as like a metal thing. So it was kind of hard getting that one out there. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. But um, yeah, people with an open mind and good taste are going to love it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I hope, I hope more people find it. it was, yeah, it was a really fun album. One of my favorite things I've done just because it was so different to what I've, I usually do, and it was just yeah, it was just a fun thing to do. Did you uh, did you record that yourself at home too? Yeah, yeah, everything aside from the Rats of Reality stuff, um, which was half recorded at my house, has been recorded in full at my house. Hmm. That's uh, so, that's very impressive because it it sounds great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just. It allows me to work without any deadlines or uh, expensive studio hire. Um, I get to kind of just like work to my own rules, if you know what I mean. Right. Because it, yeah, it takes me a while to do stuff and 
if I was like paying for a studio or whatever, it would cost me so much because I, I take ages to do stuff. I like to kind of work on stuff and work on stuff and build on it. Yeah. And I delete stuff and rework things. And sometimes it takes me months to like finish a song, years to finish a song. So it's cool to be able to work like at my own pace, at my own like whenever I want to. Yeah, that makes sense. And what you're doing is working, so you might as well keep doing it, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the plan. So is, has Lackall played live, or is there ever a plan to, if you haven't? Yeah, we played live a few times, just kind of local shows. Um, but probably not for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. unless like something came up like a good opportunity but for now like my live um goals are like hell ripper type stuff and like my focus is kind of like shifted towards hell ripper becoming like the main thing now as opposed to before i was just kind of doing things randomly um but yeah hell ripper is like my main focus now and i'll work on other stuff like at a slower pace like when when i get the inspiration and stuff like that. So more side project E. Yeah. 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 It kind of went to becoming kind of side project style. Um, but yeah, there, I'm still like really into them. It's just, yeah, there's, there's not enough time for me right now. Like I'm trying to like grow hell ripper because like, I don't know. I've got like a momentum with hell ripper for the past couple of years. So I don't want to like stop that if you know what I mean. So I'm just keeping on going while I can and while the inspiration's still there. I mean, I'm still really inspired and stuff to write Hell Ripper songs. I'm halfway through the next album already. Wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just uh, over the past couple of years, yeah, Hell Ripper's just, the, the creative inspiration's just been ma- mainly for that. So I, ju- I just follow where my inspiration like takes me really. Um, I don't want to force anything, so. Yeah. So, speaking of Hellripper, I think you completed a tour last year of Europe, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. How'd that go? Yeah, that went really well. Um, that was my f- uh, our first tour. I mean, Hellripper, we haven't played live too much. Um, I'm not sure on the exact amount of shows, but maybe th- uh, 30 or 40 or something over the past five years so that was our first tour and yeah it was uh, it went yeah it went great we played with some really cool bands we supported midnight uh, like i mentioned of course one of my favorite bands which is which was great we played um yeah it was cool shows we met cool people yeah the, the tour went very well i think and especially for a first a first tour i think it couldn't have gone much better, I don't think. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you see yourself as like a touring man? Could you see yourself on tour for long periods of time? No, definitely not. No, <laughs> uh, no I like... I, I could... I, I'm like... I like being at home too much. I like music. My favorite thing about music is like the creation of it. So that's... That's what I like. So... Yeah, I prefer to do that. I li- of course, I like to play live and things, but I don't 
I couldn't see myself doing that for like six months of a year. Like like a full time touring band, I couldn't see myself doing that. Yeah, I think it's hard. I, yeah, yeah, I I think it'd be very difficult for me. Um so for now, like the I mean the goal is to see what happens. I mean, of course everything's stopped right now, so I've been no one has any idea what's really happening. But yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I like to play live and I like to tour and things, but I'm never going to be a full-time touring guy. Yeah, I don't I blame you. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think it's for me. Do you, do you have a preference between like playing a festival or like a smaller venue? Or do you like both of them for different reasons? I mean, we haven't really played like big festivals um i mean we played the warm-up show to roadburn festival which was quite a big venue i mean Mm -hmm. i think it was probably the biggest we played and that was really cool um but people were like right up against the stage and stuff so it it kind of felt like there wasn't like a barrier type thing yeah and so that was cool i mean all the shows i've really enjoyed um but i mean i guess i do like the smaller ones better like where it's like everyone's like packed right next to you and it's all sweaty and gross and stuff i think that's probably what i enjoy best just because of like there's like a personal like feel to it yeah that makes but sense. yeah i can't really compare it to like we haven't played like a big festival or anything like that so i can't compare it to like a massive massive thing like that okay yeah. so but yeah, I, everything we've done, I've enjoyed. Let's go refill our chalices and check out Flowers of Flesh and Blood by Lord Rot. This is coming off of the 2018 split with VHS on Dirty Needle Records.
I know things are weird right now with everything in the world, but do you have plans or uh, aspirations to ever visit the U.S.? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got no plans um, because right now it's I, I've got no idea what's happening right yeah. now. So yeah. everything's like uh, it's, it's too unstable. Right. Um, I, I don't even know if um, U.S. You're allowed to travel to and from the U.S. Uh, I'm not. I'm not too sure right now. But yeah, I'm, I think it's very unlikely that we're we'll be at, we'll visit the U.S. until things are a bit more stable. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, yeah, it's difficult to for a, a UK band to to get over to the U.S. with all the logistics and stuff in the first place, but yeah. with now, with all the restrictions and stuff and the uncertainty of when things will return and right. all that, it's just, it, yeah, it's really, it's really risky planning anything right now, but we will definitely be in the U.S. at some point when, when we can. It's, we get loads, of, I get loads of messages about it and it's one of my, one of my goals, definitely. Yeah, I know you guys Just, have a ton of fans here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I I think the US is probably where the most fans are, um, judging by like likes and uh, the social media and Spotify stats and stuff. I think the US is definitely. I mean, of course, the US is is massive anyway, so yeah. you can have <laughs> a lot of fans, but they're all spread out all over the place. Like right. From different uh, sides of the country, but yeah, right. overall the U.S. is, I think, where the most Hellripper fans are from. And yeah, it'd be great to get over there, um, and we will. Just no, nothing planned yeah. right now. I think you guys would be great at the Maryland Death Fest. Yes, that would be awesome. That would be great. I've seen the lineups for those over the past couple of couple of times, and yeah, they're always just crazy yeah it's it's a great time we try to go yeah. every year and if yeah, you guys played there we would definitely be there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'd be great to see you guys <laughs> and if you ever blow through western new york you have a free place to stay <laughs> right <laughs> that's one that's one date sorted <laughs> i think yeah the, the thing is as well to make it uh like worth our while we'd obviously need to come over for quite a while a month or more to like make it worth our while and to make the yeah like to make the most of it yes um, so add that add all all the reasons i mentioned before add that to like all the guys um holidays uh, vacation time uh with their jobs and all that kind of shit it's just yeah it's difficult but we will get there <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Me too. <laughs> so I have a question about a couple questions, but I heard on when you were on uh, Gimme Metal mm -hmm. Radio, um, uh, you, I think, mentioned that you use Tux Guitar for tabbing yeah. and you write your drums in that. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I write... Um, before I record, I've basically got the full song like completely written on Tux guitar so that 
when I go to record, it's like I've basically got like the full idea of yeah of what I'm doing. Tusk guitar is like really useful for me. It's a uh, it's kind of like a way to demo songs without the yeah without the hassle of like recording and doing things properly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, it's a really useful tool for me. Yeah, and it's free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Do you do you export the MIDI then and then import it into your DAW or is that no no, no? I just use it for um like a demo purpose. I just use it to kind of play along with. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So. Yeah, I just I keep the the what the Tux guitar file and I practice along with that and Got you. I add bits and pieces and then when I go to record I like I adapt it from the Tux guitar file and basically kind of play exactly what's on there. Yeah, yeah. Do you use that for the Lock Hall stuff too or no? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I use it for every song that I write. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just. Like I say, it's just like it's a handy writing tool instead of like when I write things, I'm usually just messing around on guitar or bass or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of recording, like if I come up with a good idea, and re- instead of recording it, I just write it down on Tux guitar, yeah. and then it's then it gives you the added bonus of adding drums to it and then building, um, like adding parts to that to that part that you've came up with. Yeah. With- without re-recording the same riff and uh, keep changing and recording. It's just, it's really easy to edit things um, using Tux Guitar. Like, if you want to change a note, you just press the, the key and you can change the note. It's just, Yeah, it's just a really useful demo and writing tool for me. Yeah, well, that makes makes perfect sense. Yeah. Do you, what... Um not to get too nerdy, but I wanted to uh, ask. You're already there. I'm there. I'm full on nerd. Um, I wanted to ask you what uh, recording software you use. I use Reaper. Oh yes. Yeah. It's that's what we're recording with right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great. I've seen, I've seen people complain about it, but it was the first thing I learned to use, and I find it really easy. And yeah. It's so good. I, yeah. And it's yeah, not overpriced it's like the other ones. Yeah. Exactly. It's. Yeah, it's like cheap enough, and it's got really, it's got the same results as other um, uh, software. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. There's no complaints from me about it. It's just, it's really easy to use. It's what I've always used as well. So, do you for? Sorry, go ahead. And I was just gonna say, I don't really, I can't be bothered learning how to use like another software or. I don't really have the time to try and change things. Like, yeah. I'm, that I'm if I'm happy with the results, I'm gonna keep going until I'm not really, yeah. <laughs> or I fancy a change. But as of now, I'm really happy with with it. Yeah. Well, you found a formula that works really well for you, so I don't. Yeah. I don't know why you would change it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask one more thing about uh, one more nerd question. Uh, yeah. Where are we? Do you do you use um, like phys- actual hardware for like your guitar effects and stuff, or do you use plugins? Um, I I don't really use guitar effects. Um, I it, uh, I'm I'm a very simple person. <laughs> like I mean, it, it just it complicates it for me. Like, how about the distortion? What would you use for that? Uh, distortion. I just I mic my amp. 
Um, okay. Basically, yeah, I just mic my amp. I plug straight into the amp. Okay. Um, and basically, what you hear on the on the recordings is basically just exactly what my uh, what comes from the amp. Okay. I usually add some plugins, like a little bit of reverb, um, like a tiny bit, um, a bit of delay, um, just just kind of like beef things up a bit and make it seem bigger. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't remember. Usually, my guitars are are mostly just straight from the amp with a little bit of reverb and delay on um, uh, plugins. But other than that, I'm not. I don't. I I try to keep things as simple as as possible. Yeah. Uh, I don't like to complicate things for myself. With Lockhowl, however, like that's where loads of effects comes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's quite. I'm. I I'm I like learn as I go. Really, I just kind of try different things, different plugins, to see what happens. Because yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, most the guitar tone and stuff is basically just straight from the amp with a little added kind of stuff. Yeah, I got you. Well, it works. What you're doing works. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so. We wanted to ask you about um, some of your lyrical content. Oh, I was going to go there next, too. All right, go ahead. All right, so back to Hell Ripper, away from the nerd talk. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so you have a couple of different approaches to lyrics for Hell Ripper, right? You have, like, the far out... I don't want to call it nonsense, because it's not nonsense, but... Um, and then you have, like, your fact-based on true story kind of songs yeah. right for like the yeah. Annalise Mitchell or what you know yeah so when you write songs based on facts and true stories is that something that you research or does it just like fall in your lap and you're like oh I'm feeling this I'm gonna write about it uh kind of both um sometimes it's just like some um sometimes it's just something I see like online or or I see a book or something that looks interesting and I and I see it and I think, oh, that'd be a cool thing to write a song about. And then I like look into it further when I when I write the song. Um Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like something that interests me, I guess. Like all these kind of true stories that kind of show you how I like throughout time, like people's beliefs and, and stuff like that have like shaped their fears and shaped how their societies work and stuff, like with witchcraft and like witch hunts and stuff, which is like doesn't really happen today, like on a wide scale. Um, At least not that we hear about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, in the like in in our like day to day lives, we don't hear about that kind of stuff. Of course, it still happens in some countries and stuff like that. But I mean, of course, we. Uh, the world, like our countries, like have changed, are not as religious as they were, of course, like however long ago, and like how religion like shaped things and how it shaped people's fears, how it uh, shaped the rules of society and stuff like that, and and stuff like that. It's just like yeah, it just interests me. It's just fascinating to me, like stuff that we think is 
quite crazy now was just the norm back then absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, just and yeah and it's and it's always like brutal it's always there's always murder there's always people executions and the devil always plays a part and stuff like that that we that just doesn't happen in in our day-to-day lives now yeah yeah if you know what i mean yeah definitely um, I wanted to ask you about the Lord Rot song, Flowers of Flesh and Blood. And what, yeah. what is that song about? Uh, it's basically, um, there's a, a Japanese film, uh, Guinea Pig, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. There's a and series, I, right? Yeah. Um, I haven't watched them all. I just saw a couple, I think. Uh, and yeah, just Lord Rot's more of a horror uh, horror based like lyrical content mm-hmm. I think like my I like death metal to kind of have like B movie type violence and yeah I got you just like that kind of stuff like it's not serious it's just like yeah, it's just like it's like cannibal corpse kind of stuff yeah um, and yeah it's just based on that film uh, one of the guinea pigs is called flower of flesh and blood or a flower of flesh and blood or something Hmm. Do you um? So with the Lord Rot stuff, and and this is just my opinion; it could be very wrong, but like the Realm of Decay recording was sounded to me more like old school death metal. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff, and then the split with VHS sounds a little more black metal influence. Black metal, yeah. Is, yeah, it, yeah, and it's, it's just awesome. a natural it's, thing. I love both of them; they're both great. Yeah, thank you. Slightly um, different, but um, so was that a conscious effort to to do that? Uh, it wasn't a conscious effort; it's just what came. Um, it's just what came to me. Uh, I think. Um, over the years, I've grown. I think I've improved, like as a songwriter, and I become, and you become like more confident to try mixing things yeah so if you like i mean for example if you look at the first hell report it's kind of just metal punk like kind of thing it's more straightforward punky mm-hmm. and then if you as you go through the through the releases they become kind of more there's a bit more to them there's more uh like different influences creep in and stuff so i get it was just subconsciously i'm Lord Rot is like a it's it's a death metal thing to me. Mm-hmm. So I try and write a death metal song, and as long as it's still a death metal song, like if the influences come in, um, but the song still remains death metal, I'm going to keep it as a Lord Rot song. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely, there's definitely a more black metal influence, and yeah, it wasn't really a conscious decision. It was just something that happened Mm -hmm. i guess Mm -hmm. um just the the stuff that i listened to as well like over like during different time periods i'm listening to a lot of one thing Mm -hmm. so it kind of shapes how something is going to sound like for with the first lord raw tp i was listening to a lot of um a dismember entombed bloodbath like your Mm -hmm. swedish just your straightforward swedish kind of stuff yeah and then uh 
by the time I had I had recorded the split with VHS, I was listening to more. Um, there was like Sacramentum, uh, and Necrophobic, of course, one of my favorites. And I guess the Hellripper stuff also kind of played a part. I think it's kind of the VHS split is kind of punky as well. Yeah. It's so it's got. Yeah, it's got a little bit of the punk as well. So you've got yeah, you've got the kind of entombed D beat kind of thing, as well as like listening to the necrophobic and all that kind of stuff. It's just yeah, it's just what I'm listening to kind of shapes. Mm-hmm. Like subconsciously, just kind of influences me, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what it, what's the metal scene like in Aberdeen? Uh, I'm not in Aberdeen anymore. I haven't been oh. in Aberdeen for a couple of years now. Right. Um, <laughs> Where are you? I'm up in the Scot in the Highlands. Ah. Oh, okay. So there's there's zero scene where I am. <laughs> Just I'm you? Like, yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Just um, Hell Ripper. Yeah, I live like yeah. I'm about three hours away from the nearest like music city. Hmm. So yeah, there's. Not much of a like. I guess Hell Ripper isn't part of like a scene. <laughs> uh, but like the Scot, the Scottish scene um, is growing. Like there's quite a few cool bands coming, especially like in the thrash kind of genre. There's quite a few bands. Uh, there's a lot of uh, doom kind of things. Um, uh, yeah, bands like uh, Vool. Um, they're doing kind of speed metal heavy metal type type thing mm-hmm. midnight force as well uh disposable are doing a kind of thrash but with kind of hardcore i guess uh uh who else is there Boke, one uh a band from aberdeen they they're like kind of power violence really cool mm-hmm. uh wound a band f- that feature um a couple of the guys that played in hell ripper like the live band of Hellripper. Uh, they're kind of like power violence, uh, death metal grind kind of hybrid. Um, yeah, there's loads of bands. Tommy Concrete, he's really cool. He he releases about 50 albums per year. He is he's very <laughs> prolific with his releases. Uh, wow. Yeah. There's just yeah, he's yeah, he's crazy. But yeah, there's yeah, it's quite a good a good scene. There's quite a good uh, bunch of bands coming up right now. Uh, just a shame that, of course, this the current situation's kind of stopped everything. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. Like with COVID, what's going on over there? Are you able to play live shows? Is everything shut down? Um, there's different rules everywhere. Um, Scotland have different rules to England, and then like within. The countries, like the each different, uh, like the uh, councils have different rules as well. So it's kind of hard to keep up. It changes like every week. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm not as affected uh, personally because I'm quite remote. Like I'm quite far from everything, so it hasn't badly changed how I do things. Um. Everything is still open where I am. Uh, all the 
the shops and pubs and things are still open where I am. You just have to wear a mask and kind of uh, stay two meters away from people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's it changes all the time. Some places are more affected than others. Uh, but yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I wish I bought stock in these mask companies before this all happened. I'd be rich. That was Within the Everlasting Hellfire by Hellripper. That's coming off of their debut full-length, Coagulating Darkness. So we're seeing bands online kind of improvise because, you know, here in the States, like you said, things change almost daily. So it's hard to plan. It's hard to tour. um, It's it's even hard to, like, cross state lines at this point. So we see a lot of bands doing live streams. What are your thoughts on that? And do you have any plans to do something 
similar? Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, I mean, it's there's no other option. I mean, you can't really play shows, so live stream, I guess, is the next best thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not the same, but I enjoy watching. But yeah. like, I, I watch stuff on YouTube all the time, so I check out uh, band live streams when when I see them. But um, yeah, I think they're a cool thing for me. For Hellripper, it's kind of difficult because we are like the the guys in the live band. We are we live in four different cities and two different countries. So <laughs> yeah, so I'm the three of us. The um, the three of us in Scotland are about three four hours away from each other. And Max lives at the very the very bottom of the UK. I live at the very top. He lives at the very bottom. So he's 12 hours away from me or something. Oh, wow. So if you add that onto like, how, how do we sort out equipment and the travel? And so right now it's, it would be, it would be a hassle and difficult to set up, but it is something I'd like to do. If it was possible, um, I have been looking at ways and like seeing what we can do, but it's been yeah, nothing has like came up that has made me interested in doing it so far. Like, it seems more difficult and more hassle than it's worth for me. Yeah, I I mean, I'm, I just, I'd rather just be writing new music than trying to figure out logistics of all that. Yeah. If, it, if it becomes easier, uh, like if there's an easy way to do it or something comes up, then I'd definitely be willing to do it. But as of now, it's looking quite difficult for us to do that. But yeah, I mean, all these bands that are doing live streams, I think it's cool. I mean, isn't like I say, it's the next best thing and it gives people something to watch. We're getting some cool like live album type things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like releases um so yeah it gives you more cool stuff to watch um and listen to but yeah like i i just hope things can return to normal or almost normal soon enough so like actual shows can happen again us too yes us too we're feeling it (laughs) yeah we've actually gone to a couple uh i think two right yeah like two uh of our local favorite bands uh we go to their practice <laughs> just to get oh, live okay. music yeah because <laughs> cool. yeah it's fun yeah that's cool we're definitely missing the live music yep yeah so what do you what does james do outside of music I mean, that's basically it, really. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I watch uh, football, mm-hmm. uh, soccer, um, and I watch TV. Uh, other than that, it's yeah, mostly everything I do is to do with music. Mm-hmm. I usually, yeah, Hellrippers, it's like a full-time job, so I'm, I'm doing that most of the day. Yeah. Uh, something to do with Hellripper, whether it be writing recording um podcasts and things um organizing stuff speaking to people uh some sort of promotion all that stuff that's usually what i'm doing 
and then when I'm not doing that, it's usually uh, just watching TV or films or something like that. Do you uh, have a favorite show or series you're hooked on right now? Right now, I've started Dexter. Ah. I've never, I've never seen Dexter before, but uh, there, my girlfriend's got me into watching all these shows that everyone has seen, but that I refused to watch before. <laughs> so I recently, I recently finished Mad Men, which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, I only watched Breaking Bad like two years ago or something, and that was one. Of, that's one of my favorites as well. Um, but right now, yeah, it's Dexter. I've started that. I think I'm on series two. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so we know that you released The Affair of the Poisons, right? What mm-hmm. What can we expect in the future from any and all of your projects? You mentioned like a crust punk project earlier yeah. on that I wanted to probe you about, but I didn't want to be obnoxious. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, I mean, yeah, it's a crust punk thing. There's There's nothing much more to say, really. I've recorded one song. It kind of sounds like a mixture of like Wolf Brigade and uh, kind of early typo negative carnivore type stuff. Nice. Um, kind of that kind of stuff. I mean, there's not much really to say. There's no name for it. It's just something I'm doing, and hopefully that will be released soon. Um, what else am I doing? I'm working on a like a, a black metal thing, like a more straightforward black metal thing. But most of these, like, they're things that are that are in progress, and they don't really have much more than a song written or something. So I've got a folder of about like fifteen to twenty different things that I'm doing at the moment, but they're all in various stages of completion. Um, yeah, Lord Rot, I'll probably be releasing an EP at some point soon. I, I mean, I say soon. I was, I've been saying I'm going to release something for like the past three years, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's just when when inspiration comes, really. Um, I don't like to put out stuff that I'm not happy with, so I get really into something and I write a song, and then like the inspiration will kind of fade and then I'll move on to like something else that I've got excited about and then it kind of revolves so it becomes like a slow process where I start a million things and it takes me a while to finish them because I wish I could just work on one thing until I finish it but yeah I've got like like I say like 20 different things that I'm working on and everything will come out at some point but I've got no idea when. The only thing that's kind of got set goals is like Hellripper. I hope to have the new album out either this time next year or by April, I guess, de- depending on when I finish it and 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 what the label think as well, like when they want to release it. That's impressive. Yeah, it's the only, yeah, it's the only thing yeah. I've got. I mean, the, the Affair of the Poisons, I... I finished recording that um, in December, mm. and it was just we we decided it was supposed to be released in May, but mm-hmm. we decided to 
the label and I decided to delay it because uh, the situation in, in it was like March we decided to delay it because yeah it was that was when everything was just starting like the whole situation and we had no idea what was going on and we thought and like there was like oh it may be it may be better by the end of the year and of course that's not the case and yeah but yeah everything was just crazy at the start of the year so we decided to delay it until october so i've been sitting on the album for almost a year so i've had this year to just kind of carry on writing the next album so yeah i got quite a lot of work done so far on that that's incredible yeah yeah thank you very impressive (laughs) We have a listener question that I was going to ask you <laughs> a couple minutes ago. I forgot about. Yeah, go for it. Okay. This is from Nick from Hessian Firm, which is a French record label. Awesome label. Yeah. Um, he was on the podcast, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Yeah. He wanted us to learn about Haggis and ask you if you could tell us about it. I mean... What do you want to know? <laughs> well, we're dumb Americans. We don't know what it I is. I don't even. I didn't even research <laughs> it. I'm like, okay, we'll just ask him and figure it out on the air. <laughs> I mean, uh, I. It's like a traditional Scottish um, food, mm-hmm. uh, made from like sh- sheep. <laughs> the inside of like sheep. Okay. Uh, is it, it good? With, like, uh, I don't like it. No. Um, it's what kind it, of like it's how, like a traditional meal that you that like. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. <laughs> how is it prepared? Is it like a stew? No, it's like it's like in a casing. It used to be like inside animal, like an animal stomach, but now I'm not sure what the casing is. I actually watched a a video. Um, I would recommend you watch this video as well. I think it was uh, the channel Food Insider, maybe uh, I can't remember. And they like went into a haggis uh, like factory to show how it was made and stuff. Okay, we'll watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I say, I'm not I'm not a big fan. <laughs> yeah, it almost sounds like sausage. Yeah, it, it's like a sausage. Um, it's in like a casing. Yeah, it's, it's it's in like a kind of sausage casing. It's kind of like a big round ball. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you may like it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know about that. I feel like Nick set us up a little bit here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah everyone, every, a lot of people are intrigued. It's like a weird thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah. It it sound it sounds more strange than it is. It's like the inside of a sheep mixed with like onions and spices and stuff. That's basically it. Uh, it's kind of like mint. Yeah, it's like mint, I guess. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's definitely worse things in like hot dogs and stuff. I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we ha- actually have in our city. Our city is about. The size of, uh, population-wise, the size of Aberdeen. Okay. Um, but our city, is, one of the most popular food items is these red and white hot dogs. 
There's white, okay. white hot dogs. Yeah, okay, yeah. exactly. And, and pe- <laughs> people love them. We're, we're not fans of it, but people like... Were they, were they different? How were they different? Sorry. Um, they're, I don't, they're made with chicken lips? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I think the white is made with pork, or I don't know. There's something different about it, but... We don't eat hot dogs, so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. People seem to love it, but we're kind of repulsed by it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's our haggis. I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> Definitely huge fans of everything you're doing, and we can't wait to hear whatever you come out with next. I'm sure no matter what direction you go, it's going to be great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I appreciate the continued support. I mean, it's people like you that allow me to do this so yeah it's very much appreciated yeah there's loads of bands in the underground right now like that are doing cool shit so yep i definitely encourage anyone to look at the the underground scene uh i mean the the black thrash black speed genre that i play just that scene alone there's like so many killer bands and of course there's loads of like death metal right now there's so much cool yeah shit uh-huh. happening in death metal and like there's loads yeah there's loads of stuff in the underground right now like really cool bands uh this year has been quite crazy for releases and so yeah i mean the underground is definitely in a good place i would say right now um like in terms of the music being released absolutely absolutely and I was I was really touched when I saw that Lock Howell recommended Beast Milk Death Reflects Us on, oh, yeah. on your Bandcamp page because <laughs> that's a fucking great album. That is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's just a genius album. I think the songs are so catchy. It, it's like a dark pop rock goth album. Like it's it's. It's got it's got such a unique sound, I think. Like drenched in reverb. Uh yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. That's cool stuff. And I always love that like especially people in the underground metal scene, um that they are mostly super fans of the music as well as these great talented musicians on top of it. Mm-hmm. Like and that shows with our conversation tonight. You're yeah, definitely, definitely a, a huge fan of everything. Yeah, yeah, fan first, and I mean, I love yeah. I, like I say, I still go on YouTube and just find new bands and things. Uh, so that's and Spotify, of course. Like, there's so much things, and a lot of people are. A lot of people are against Spotify right now, but I think it's a great discovery tool. It is. Uh, yeah. I'm like, just the playlists or whatever. Like, there's just so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm discovering like new bands every day, and yeah, it's just really cool. Like, I think yeah, it's just been really cool to have the internet and YouTube and things to to help that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So is is there anything that you wanted to uh, mention in closing, promote? Um, yeah, the you can check out the new Hellripper album 
uh, The Affair of the Poisons, um, out now on Peaceville Records. You can check that out on YouTube, Bandcamp, uh, Spotify, all the other streaming services. And you can pick it up on vinyl, cassette, and CD. Um, I think that's about it. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending uh, so much time with us tonight. Yeah. We really appreciate it. We're huge fans of what you do, yeah. and we are so looking forward to the future. Yeah. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate that. Thank um, you. I really appreciate your uh, the support. It's cool to hear that you're a fan of the other stuff as well. Um, yeah. I'm just very grateful for the support. Thank you very much for taking the time to to have me on here as well. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Thanks, James. Have a good night and stay safe. Yeah, take care. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Well, that was a lot of fun. It was. I encourage everybody to go like the Hell Ripper yep. Facebook page. Go follow him on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Go buy his stuff. Absolutely. Um, so we are going to end the show today where Hell Ripper began. Perfect. But first, stay safe, stay healthy, don't be an asshole. Don't let your haggis loaf. (laughs) Here is Rats of Reality with The Art of Debilitation.
Yeah. 